You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Well, great to be with you guys and great to be in the house of God to worship together. I just feel like everything that's happened this morning is just paving the way. Um, just the Holy Spirit is definitely at work and I just feel like what I want to share with you, I feel the Lord has led me to share with you, is just, it's just what, more of what he's doing actually this morning in the worship and the testimonies and our time together. So I'm just really excited. Hope you are too. Well, when we are kids, often we're told certain myths <laughs> that we come to believe is true because they're often passed down from older siblings or parents or people that we think know everything. Things like, don't swallow your gum or stay in your stomach for seven years. Anyone told that? Or for me, it was forever. <laughs> don't ever swallow your gum. Or don't drink coffee because it'll stunt your growth. I don't know if anyone has seen my daughter, but she loves coffee, so that, that myth is definitely not true. Or um, how about be sure to go to seek quickly or Santa Claus won't come. On his sleigh, pulled by flying reindeer in the sky, and then coming down a chimney with the presents that you've asked for specifically six months ago. <laughs> you know that myth? <laughs> And my dad's favorite, he said, anything basically that's good for you will put hair on your chest. (laughs) And he must have ate everything good for him by the looks of how he turned out. (laughs) That was his his response for anything good for you. It'll put hair in your chest. Which as a girl, that was not something I was going for. (laughs) Nevertheless, it was important to him. Well, as all of us have grown and become a bit wiser to some of these myths and some of these fallacies, we have ascertained for ourselves, or maybe we're on this journey of deciding what is true and what is plausible, what is truth, what is fact. And we've, as we've come to know Christ, many of us have been faced with some pretty outrageous statements that Jesus said in the word as he walked in this earth. Things like, everything is possible with God. And anything is possible for a person who believes. Pretty outrageous stuff. He he made these sweeping statements all the time. If you read through the Gospels, he was saying stuff like this to all sorts of people in all sorts of circumstances. With regard to healing and salvation, casting out demons, moving mountains... (laughs) physiological, psychological, sociological, all sorts of circumstances, Jesus said, if only you believe, and God can do anything. These sorts of statements. And the Bible says that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father God. And he says that all authority in heaven and on earth are his. And as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the the word says that he's interceding, he's praying, he's petitioning the Lord For you and for me. He lives this day to do miracles. Just as much as he did when he walked on this earth. And he's asking, I believe this morning, this day, this hour. Do you believe that I can? Do you believe that the same Jesus who walked on this earth. And professed the power of God and moved and walked in the power of God. That for you in your circumstances and the circumstances of those that you're praying for, that he can. 
The first four books of the, of the New Testament in the Gospels that speaks of Jesus' life and ministry in the earth are full of examples of miracles. Absolutely chocker block full of, of miracle situations and, and, and him just speaking into people's lives. It's absolutely fantastic. If you haven't read through them, I encourage you to do so. And this morning we're going to look at two um, particular stories. Two people who came to face-to-face with Jesus. In Luke 5, if you want to turn there with me if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Everybody there? Yes. No, just about. I'm reading from the New Living um, Bible this morning. We normally often read from the New International, but um, I quite like this translation. So one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. You've seen amazing things today. Well, the chap in this story, it's a true story, by the way, was completely paralyzed. No walking, no dancing, certainly no trampolining, nothing. He laid flat on his back all day, every day. And he had no way to get to this miracle work of Jesus. He had no way to go to him to hear his teaching, to hear about salvation, to hear about the kingdom of God. And he was very fortunate because he had some good mates. He had some guys who were desperate to get some help for their friend. So they pulled a parkour stunt before this particular activity was even popular. And if you don't know what parkour is, I'm just going to show you a little clip. Okay, it might not have looked exactly like that. But I tell you, it was without harnesses and without scaffolding. They hoisted their friend up onto this roof of this house. No safety nets, I'm very sure, in that spur-of-the-moment attempt they made. And they managed, once they got him, hoisted up on that roof, having taken, disassembled the roof itself, tiles off. I don't know how many layers it would have had to get through Mark in those days to, to, get, to, <laughs> to get through to the, to the other side. But they got him up there, and they lowered him down 
right in front of Jesus. The house was packed with people. It was the only way to get their paralyzed friend into a place of encounter with Jesus. Their commitment, their determination, their faith allowed this man not only on that day to receive fantastic and total physical healing, but he received spiritual healing as well. He came face to face with the Savior of his soul, and Jesus said to him, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now get up. Go home. Take your mat. You're a walking man. And this day, if you are in a place where you are believing for a miracle on behalf of someone else, for a friend or a spouse or a child or a parent, a loved one, I want to encourage you today, if you're believing for healing for salvation, for restored relationships, whatever that miracle is, don't stop believing. I believe it is a word of God for you today. Do not stop. Do not stop praying. Do not stop speaking the will of God into their life. Do not stop joining with others to agree with you in prayer. I tell you, you may be the only one who is doing it for them. You may be that friend doing the impossible tasks doing whatever it takes to bring them to Christ, to bring Christ's power and salvation, whatever it is that he has in store for them, to them. Don't quit. Church, don't quit. Keep believing that Christ will do what is only possible for him to do. Amen? There are some things that only he, there are many things that only he can do. And remember what Jesus said to the paralytic. I have authority to forgive sins. And then he healed him. So God can go beyond even what you're asking for today. Amen? Well, if we go over a little bit further into Luke, we're going to check out another story in Luke 8. Chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. This woman, same as our paralytic man, friend, she was in a desperate place. She was dying. 
She had an incurable condition that actually many women still suffer with today. In fact, there are many women in my own family who have suffered with this condition. But fortunately, in the West, we have doctors and we have procedures that normally can set it right. But this woman was in a day and an age and probably in a place in society that she just she didn't have the resources anymore. And the doctors couldn't help her. For 12 years, she had been considered unclean, which in the Jewish law and tradition meant that she could not she could not be intimate with her husband. And in fact, no one could touch her in any way. She was essentially living as an outcast with this condition. Not only was she sick, very sick, but she was also very, very alone. And she had no money left. It had all gone. She was absolutely destitute. And she would have been also very anemic and very weak. At that moment in her life, she was truly living under a death sentence, physically and emotionally. And so, in this desperate place, she broke the rules. And she went back against anything that would be customarily, culturally acceptable. And she entered that crowd, the people that were absolutely just thronging around Jesus, and she pushed her way through. Because she knew the one who had the answer, the one that could make her well, was standing in the middle of that crowd. She knew in her desperate place, where to look. She knew that Jesus had the power and the answer to everything that she needed in her life. And when she did it, when she reached out for Christ, and he saw her faith, and he saw what she wanted so badly, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, above and beyond what we expect. Jesus didn't just make her well. He touched her mind. He touched her soul. He said, go in peace. Go this day forward with peace in your soul, peace in your mind. You are whole. You are whole. In this past couple of months, in June and July, as many of you know, we participated together in a fast as a church, in a three-week fast to seek God for breakthrough. On behalf of ourselves, on behalf of others in the church, on behalf of loved ones. And I know, likely, many in this room are still believing for a breakthrough. And again, God's word to you today is don't stop believing. Do not quit. That three weeks initiated something. We came together as God's family, as God's body, and we lifted one another up, and we continue to lift one another up. And I want to encourage you, if something didn't happen in those three weeks that you can see, that you can necessarily say with your own voice or with your own proof that God did, you know what? God is at work. God began a good work, and he will be faithful to complete it. Do not stop asking. Do not stop grabbing the the horns of the altar, going to God, and believing and asking, because that miracle is going to come. Don't stop believing. 
during the fast time, I, I, in essentially the last day, really, um, I had a very clear, a very strong impression from the Holy Spirit that really related back to the woman in the story, the woman who had suffered for those 12 years. And I just so felt in my heart the Holy Spirit say that desperation that drives you to Christ is faith. That is faith. If what's driving you forward is driving you to Christ, that desperate place, that is faith. And if you're desperate for a miracle today and you're seeking God for it, you are not moving in weakness. You are moving in faith. Can I say that to you today? Desperation for God to do something is not weakness. That is not looking for an answer, for some crutch, for something to take the load off. You are seeking the God of the universe. Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of Father God, interceding for you. You're looking to him, the one who lives to do miracles on your behalf. You're seeking the very one who has the answer to every problem, who has a solution, who has the miracle that you need. You're moving in faith when you're seeking him. Amen? In Hebrews, there's a passage that um, some of us may have heard quoted a number of times. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith gives us assurance about things we cannot see yet with our eyes, but we believe with all our heart that it will happen. Faith is believing that the impossible, or that what is impossible for people, is absolutely possible with God. And I want to encourage you <laughs> that the devil will want you to feel like you're absolutely out of your head for believing, especially as time goes on. I don't know how many of us can attest to this, but if you've had to wait, if you've had to press in for days and weeks and years, Oh, the enemy. It's not going to happen. Give up. God's not hearing you. He is a liar. The enemy is a liar. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I want to share with you a present day story, if that's okay. I have a beautiful cousin. Her name is Bethany. And when she was about 24 years old, she had kidney failure. She had been dreaming to be a missionary in Africa and was really just pursuing God and pursuing what he wanted for her life. But that was stopped dead in his tracks because she got very, very sick. And as you do in these circumstances, they were looking... For family, they were looking for options to have an um, organ transplant, to have a kidney transplant. And thankfully, her mom was a match, which was absolutely awesome. So while they were in the process of, of going through all the tests and all that you have to go through, her mom had a stroke. And her mom contracted Parkinson's as a result. So everything was off the table. Mom couldn't do surgery. And Bethany couldn't have a kidney transplant. So for about five years, Bethany lived 
essentially every week at the hospital on dialysis, about 12 hours a week or so. And she, I tell you, it was Facebook. We've been living here. I saw updates and I saw comments and things. Oh, what a woman of faith. She just trusted God. She was a shining light. And in fact, about um, well, 2008, so a number of years ago, while she's going through this, she uh, messaged me. She said, I'm absolutely full of faith and believing for full recovery. And she was so sick. So um, when you're on dialysis, they really only allow or only say that the effectiveness of that can last about five to ten years, sometimes longer, but in most circumstances not. And things were getting really desperate for her. It was looking like things were not working very well anymore. And her body was shutting down. And she was very weak and very sick and very much needing a transplant. Well, in 2012, it happened. And not only did the surgery go ahead, but she had a full recovery. It was absolutely miraculous. Her body took to the plant, and she just went from strength to strength. It was quite a long road of recovery, but miraculous, absolutely miraculous. And uh, you see this picture here. She recently posted this on Facebook because um, she decided to take on a couple of mountains one day, a few days ago. About a week or two ago with her, with her friends. That's her on the far left side, the black one. That's my cousin, Bethany. And she's gone on to uh, work at a Bible college. In fact, she's one of kind of the forefront people making things happen, like conferences and, and traveling and just doing her thing. She's a busy girl. She's doing loads of stuff. And her heart to be in Africa, her dream to be in Africa is happening in about three weeks' time because she's going on a mission there to Kenya. I just saw another post on Facebook. Just She was so excited to get her immunizations <laughs> so she could fly over to Kenya in about three weeks' time. Absolutely a miracle. Incredible answer to prayer. And you know what's really amazing is during this time, um, we've obviously had prayed for her. And uh, my son Caleb, in particular, he is, I tell you, He's true to his name. He is determined, and he does not let, well, he does not let God go when it comes to prayer and comes to believing for miracles. And he prayed for her every night. For the whole period of time, every night, he lifted up Bethany and her mom, that God would heal them. And, you know, after Bethany received the, the transplant, and we just saw that she was, you know, improving, God was just doing great stuff, we continued to pray for her mom. And you know what? A couple of years ago, mom was healed too. God has done a complete healing in her body as well. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. But the rise of faith in Caleb, as he's prayed and believed for these miracles, has been just absolutely awesome. And, you know, there are people in this room he prays for every day. And he is refusing to stop till your miracle happens. So I want you to know, as a body of Christ, we stand together. And we don't understand God's time, but we know that he is wiser than any wise man. In fact, the Bible says his foolishness is wiser than any wise man. His timing is perfect. And he has all authority. He has all power. 
I was really encouraged in the last little while as I've been reading through Lamentations, which you might find is very odd. Because <laughs> Lamentations, for the most part, is not a very joyful book. Um, it's tucked away in the, in the Old Testament. I would just like you to turn there if you're able. I've bookmarked it, <laughs> so I have an unfair advantage. But it's in the Old Testament, just after Jeremiah. In fact, it's written by Jeremiah. five-chapter book that has a lot of heartache, a lot of sadness. This Old Testament book recounts Israel's overthrow and ultimate destruction. It recounts thousands of Jewish people who were slaughtered and exiled. And in what Jeremiah talks about, he sees many more dying of starvation. And it is a result of Israel's unfaithfulness, the fact they turned their back on God. They were in a place of disobedience for far too long. And they were reaping the consequences of that. But Jeremiah was a man of God. He was a prophet of God. And he saw this, and he was so distraught, and he was so upset. Even though he knew why it was happening, it broke his heart to see it happening. If you want to turn to Lamentations chapter 3, starting at verse 16. 25. I just want to read something with you. In the first couple chapters, he, he talks at length about the city, in particular of Jerusalem, all that he saw, all that was happening, all that was going on. And then in verse 16, his discourse becomes much, much more personal. He's made me chew on gravel. He's rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I'd hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, who search for him. If we are pushing through that crowd... If we are hoisting up someone before God, if we are seeing destruction all around us, we need to remember God is faithful. He is good to those who depend on him, who look for him, who search for him, who seek for him. He is faithful. He is merciful every day, every day. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God. No matter how impossible that circumstance is, you can have confidence in Jesus Christ. He hears your cry, and he's at work on your behalf. My God, your God, is our inheritance. Therefore, we will hope in him. Therefore, we will hope in him. I don't care if it's a mental disorder, a physical disorder, disorder, a relationship breakdown, a sickness. Whatever it is, 
It is not too big for God. It is not too big for God. Jeremiah saw his entire nation exiled and slaughtered. He saw destruction beyond what I can't even imagine. And yet I know many today, actually, in the world do see such things. And yet he said, and yet he said, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. This is our encouragement today. This is our hope, church. Do not quit. Do not stop praying. Do not asking God to bring your loved one to him. To bring his grace and his mercy into their lives. His healing power. His wholeness. Into your own life. His healing touch. His healing touch. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person I just... I cringe at 10-step ten, ten books. You know those books that say 10 ways to... Or those ones, those formulas you see people come out with how to, how to figure out God. This is how God is in a nutshell. I just, I know there's some good teaching out there, but I just inside just cringe because I can't even imagine trying to figure God out to put him into 10 steps. But you know what? I hold so much stock in what Jesus said. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. That was Jesus' word. And do you know who's, who he said that to? I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the story with the woman who suffered for 12 years. It started with a man named Jairus. He was a synagogue ruler. His daughter was dying. And in fact, while Jesus was healing, unbeknownst to him initially, that woman, that man's daughter died at that very moment. And you know what Jesus said to him? Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And do you know what he did? He went to that man's house and he raised that little girl from the dead. That's what Jesus did. It doesn't get any better than that. Jesus did that. And I tell you, the New Testament is full of amazing moments like that. And this world and this era is full of amazing stories like that. This very hour, this very day. And I want to tell you, God knows the miracle that you need. This very moment. I know there are many in this room believing for salvation, believing for loved ones to come to him, believing for healing. He is the same Jesus. He is the same Jesus. Amen. And if you're in that place where you're believing and, and just in a place of trusting and waiting, I want to give you opportunity for faith to just, again, be just bolstered up today. And maybe, Tom, if you like to come and just play on the piano. We would just love to be able to stand with you in prayer. And not to say that your faith alone isn't enough, but God wants to encourage you in that place of faith. So whether it's your own body, your own circumstances, or someone else that you're praying for, if you have that need and that burden on your heart, we want to stand with you and encourage you and just speak God's will over your life. So as we take some time to just worship and, and as Tom plays... We'd really like to give opportunity to pray for you today and just encourage you. God sees your need and he is able. He lives to do miracles for you. He lives to answer your prayers. So I just want to make opportunity. The altars are here. If you'd like prayer for a specific issue, a specific need, we would love to stand with you and pray with you today. So if the prayer team could come, 
We're just going to stand around with you if you'd like to stand and, and just worship the Lord or sit as you as you are. Just meditate on his goodness. But please know you can come and we just want to really pray with you this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.